0: The Bull Radio
1: Football Show. Let's go. Go, go. How do you fancy two hours of football chat? Well, you don't really have a choice because that's what we're about to do on Go Radio. It's the football show between now and seven. And I'm pretty sure it's Tuesday and we've got a really impressive guest list for you tonight, including former Rangers midfielder Charlie Adam, former Celtic defender Gary Caldwell. Get your questions in for both of them. 0808 17, 17 Text GO and your message to 87474 on the socials. It's at gofootball.com show. We'll also have a distinctly Icelandic flavour uh, to the show tonight because we're hear- going to hear from former uh, Celtic player Kjartan Finn I will say that only once probably in the <laughs> well course done. of the show or else I'm going to get it badly wrong. Uh, and also Stephen Lennon, um, former Rangers, Partick Thistle player in Scotland. Uh, he currently playing in Iceland and lined up on Saturday against KR Reykjavik who will play Celtic tonight in the Champions League qualifiers. So we'll get a uh considered and expert look ahead to all of that in the studio me rob McLean, ali defoy alongside hello and richard foster joins us i'm happy to say ex of aberdeen rangers ross county st johnston bristol city (laughs) currently partick thistle is that okay as an introduction
2: yeah, and I think you got all the clubs as well. So well done,
1: and almost in the right <laughs> order. <laughs> I say Parlick Thistle, but you uh, haven't uh, donned the boots in anger yet so far. Uh, when's that going to happen?
2: Um, hopefully, um, hopefully next week. Obviously, with the, the kind of the guidance coming down, and and we're making sure we've got protocols in place. But hopefully, we'll be back at some point next week. And I think I need to get that awful test on on at the start of the week. I think so. Yeah, not looking forward to that, but looking forward to getting back into to training. In whatever capacity possible.
1: Real serious disruption going on at the moment, um, and it's pretty pretty tough to cope with, I imagine.
2: Yeah, it's it's not ideal. Um, you know, the older you get, the kind of the more oil these joints need. So having having uh, what probably about five months off now has has not been great for that. But I'm I'm slowly getting there. Um, seeing the the Premiership teams go back was was kind of bittersweet. It's great that football's back, but you're you know you're edging to get back yourself. So Finally, that day is nearly here, and like I say, hopefully next week, all the protocols being met, we can get back in back in
1: the training pitch. And there was a moment ten minutes before we went on air where you suddenly looked at your watch and jumped off your chair and started walking about.
2: Yeah, but that's the old Apple Watch, so it tells you when you need to get up every hour. So I need to get twelve stand goals a day. <laughs> so I thought, so well,
3: you're I'm... just going to start walking about in an hour's time.
2: Well, well no, see. <laughs> I've already got nines. So I only need three more, whereas if I hadn't got that one, I might have had to walk around the studio. Ah, okay, <laughs> so you put some in the bank. Yeah, exactly. So you, okay. you do the work early and then you can relax later on.
1: Here's some good news. Here's some good news, Covid-wise, we could do with, uh, with some of that. And no positives in the latest round of Covid tests for Scottish footballers, obviously in the previous week. There were those two positives at uh, Aberdeen. So let's hope. Um, we're not going to have no more false moves Richard and uh, we're not going to teeter over the edge
2: Yeah because we'll, obviously we've already seen that clubs have been put back a week um, of the ones that are not already training um, so yeah we don't want any more positives because that could impact especially the lower leagues
1: We just heard uh, Derek McInnes there in the news um, with Nancy the the Aberdeen manager Nancy's not the Aberdeen manager but Derek, McInnes, <laughs> but Derek well not yet not yet uh, Derek McInnes is uh, talking about the, the prospect of docked points I mean obviously we've still got to find out about punishments for players punishments for the clubs how do you think that's going to go
2: Um, I hope it's not docked points Um, I think you know the the guys the players have went out they've made a mistake they have you know they have kind of apologised for it and I think the the, the punishment they receive you know it, it could possibly be a suspension for games for them which obviously that impacts Aberdeen anyway um, so I think to, to dock them points as, as well on top of that would be would be kind of doubly harsh. I think you know moving forward, I think if anyone was to break the protocol moving forward and come back with a positive test, then I think yes, the punishments should be more severe. I think you know over the last week certainly we've had a lot of clarification on on what players can and can't do. So I think there's no excuses now for players that don't know the rules.
1: Aberdeen in Perth on Thursday to play Saint Johnston uh, itching um to get back to business and I wonder if Ross McCrory will feature in that starting mm-hmm. lineup Thursday what do you think well
2: you know I've only seen Ab- well Aberdeen only played once this season and the, the, you know they weren't overly impressive um so the quality he brings to the team the, the energy that he'll bring it'll certainly be a, a thing that Derek looks at because you know sometimes if we've got a squad of players a new player coming in who is of good quality and who will improve you as a team, I think that can give the rest of the players a bit of impetus. So whether he's involved or not, I do think that Aberdeen will be a much different team than the one that faced Rangers.
1: He's the first Rangers player to sign for Aberdeen in more than 50 years, which is an absolutely incredible Statistic. Will he have agonised about the move because of the the rivalry there is between those two? Um, you've, you've played for them both, obviously. <laughs> you know all about that rivalry. Well,
2: to be fair, you never phoned me, so. Um, <laughs> oh, but no, yeah. it's What
3: advice would you have given him?
2: Uh, don't do it. No, oh. no, I'm just joking. No, it's um, it's it's you know the thing is that I found that obviously I moved the other way, but I would imagine that Aberdeen fans would be the same. That if he goes in there and shows the right attitude and works hard. And does well for the team. Then the Aberdeen fans will take them. I think if he, you know, as soon as it looks like he maybe he he isn't trying his his best, which I don't, you know, of what what I know of him, that's not his, his character. You know, he will go in there and he will work hard. But if 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 the Aberdeen fans think for a second that he's he's maybe not pulling his weight or he's not working hard, I think they then will get on his case. But I'm, I I would like to think that for the most part, you know, there will be. <laughs> there will be a few that don't, but for the most part, I think Aberdeen fans will give him the benefit of the doubt. Se- certainly for the first couple of months, first couple of games, and, and see how he does. And like I say, if he gives back um, what Aberdeen fans expect from their players, then I can't see the fa- I can't see them not taking to him.
1: Do you get stick when you go back to Aberdeen now, having gone to Rangers?
2: Yes, I still get booed for the entirety of the ninety minutes. I've been back now.
1: Four or five times, and you and you grew the, it, and you're from Elgin, yeah. and you grew up an Aberdeen player.
2: Yeah, so from the age of 12 to 26, played with Aberdeen, and left, went back, left again, and then yeah, still like I said, 90 minutes, and it's you know actually it's quite impressive because you'd think it maybe the 60 minute mark they'd actually start to think oh, I can't be bothered with that anymore, but no no right up until the final whistle, <laughs> I get, every single time I touched the ball I get booed. Every time I go and get the ball for a throw-in for a free kick, I get booed. And like like I say, the 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 consistency is quite impressive.
3: (laughs) How does that make you feel as a footballer? Though I guess you go onto the pitch, you'll get different chance home grounds and away and everything. But how does that make you feel when you're playing? Does that spur you on? Does that annoy you?
2: See, that's that's what I've managed to achieve in football so far that I get the same chance home or away. (laughs) 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 It doesn't really matter. No, it's um, it depends on how the game's going. You know, I've been back now I think twice with St Johnstone and once with Ross County and I've won at Potaudry so when you go there I don't mind the chance you know you laugh at them and you think oh well you know it's kind of you guys are hurting more than me because I've won the game but when you're not having a good game or you're getting beat um, it's you know you just kind of have to head down try to to block most of it out and get on the game because you know at at that point the Aberdeen fans are then the ones that are gloating because they're winning Um, and that's a lot tougher to take
1: We have football tonight, we have European football tonight in Scotland, in Glasgow at Celtic Park. It is Celtic against K.R. Reykjavik in the first round of the Champions League qualifiers. They haven't played for 10 days, of course, because of just what we've been talking about. Those games uh, postponed, uh, so they will want to be uh, well up for it tonight and... uh, hopefully for Celtic, start off uh, another European run. Let's get some sort of insight into what they'll be facing up to tonight by talking uh, to a man who was at Celtic for the best part of uh, three years, also a former player with K.R. Reykjavik, so he knows what he's talking about, currently playing in Denmark. Kjartan van Bogussen. Hi, Kjartan. Hi, hi Hi. How are you doing? I'm fine. How are you? Not bad at all, thank you. Uh, how was the pronunciation? Was it decent? Three out of ten? Yeah, it's p-
4: yeah, pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, I've, I've heard it worse. Uh, <laughs> okay, so, right, okay. Well done.
1: Well, as long yeah. as it's been worse, that's good. Um, tell me about your time at Celtic, firstly. I mean, you didn't play first team. Am I right in thinking that you were signed by Martin O'Neill? Yeah, that's
4: right. Yeah, obviously a fantastic time. Um, Celtic was and is, obviously, such a, such a huge club. So um, there was a it was a good experience. I was a bit unlucky with uh, a injury spell, and and while, while I was uh, while I was injured, the uh, the new new gaffer came in and the new staff. So so, that's that's football. But but yeah, I'm very grateful that I got got to be a part of it and and see see how how huge it is and 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 uh, yeah, experience some magical uh, Champions League nights against Barcelona and AC Milan and stuff like that. So so that
2: yeah, was, was so
1: good. that was that was Gordon Strachan then came, that came in as manager. And was yeah. he, was was it was that disappointing that you weren't you didn't convince him to to give you a chance in the first team?
4: Yeah, I mean, obviously, when when you come in as a new manager, you you probably don't the, the first the first guys you look at are probably not those who are, are injured. So, so but I did everything that I could. I I, 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 I mean, every time I played, I scored, and so uh, if you look at my record, I I, I think I. I did enough to, to maybe get a little sniff of, of the first team, but obviously, uh, uh, no hard feelings. I mean, uh, life moves on and, 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 and I'm happy where I'm at today.
1: And you played for KR uh, six years ago when they lost to Celtic, is that right?
4: Yeah, yeah, that's my, like, I was I was sold from, from KR Reykjavik to Celtic uh, and then uh, I came back to KR Reykjavik after that injury spell and then I went back abroad, so... Uh, uh, played played with Ferencvaros as well that that Celtic or yeah. that KR made, might face in the next round. So it's pretty pretty strange.
1: We'll get you back on the program for the next round, then, <laughs> and to, t- to sort of talk, about, <laughs> talk about talk about talk yeah, about. But,
4: yeah, if you can understand me, then uh, then I'll be ready. Oh, we're understanding you really
1: really, really well. Um, in fact, your English is probably better than ours. To, <laughs> to be perfectly frank with you, tell me about uh, KR. They are the reigning Icelandic champions. Obviously, there were um, there was a bit of disruption. Where which happened everywhere in Icelandic football because of COVID in terms of uh, getting the season back underway.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean. Uh, yeah. They are the current champions. You're right. Uh, actually, by a bit. A bit of a surprise. They. 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 For the first time in a long time, last year, last season, they. They were an underdog. They. They were not like predicted to win the league, uh, and that maybe helped them a little bit because it's the biggest club in Iceland. Um, but they. We, when I say they are, we, we uh, they are in a, a little uh, rebuilding phase uh, with young players and, and, and some old ones like getting older, obviously. Um, so, uh, like I said, I said that somewhere else, uh, uh, to the media that I, I don't feel that they are, are as, as strong as they were a couple of years ago. Uh, but again, um, no spectators, uh, one game, everything can happen in football. We've seen that in, uh, in the yeah Champions League and Europa League the last couple of days, so so let's see, it's going to be exciting.
1: And they'll be well aware, of course, that Celtic haven't played for ten days going into this, which isn't ideal. It means that their season, is, Celtic season, has barely started.
4: Yeah, I mean, yeah, of course, I've also also um, seen that. But uh, I actually th- they're like they're full time professionals, and and K are like are like half part time. Uh, most of the players have have jobs uh, outside football or or, or or studying. So so I mean they're probably eager to play uh, the players and showing the gaffer that they they are ready. And 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 so I think actually that will, that will just put put fire on on them. So so but um, yeah, as I said, everything can happen. But still, I, I expect Celtic to to go through easily.
1: And there's a Finn Bogason in the team, isn't there? In the KR team at the moment, but maybe Finn Boguson's a bit like Smith, is it in in Iceland? <laughs>
4: No, actually, it's not like a common name. Uh, you know how it is in Iceland. My 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 father's name is Finnboy, so I'm his yeah. son. So that's why I'm Finnbogi's son. Yeah. Um, uh, but uh, but uh, yeah, there's a, there's a tall striker up front uh, that uh, is a little bit younger than me, so he might he might be able to do something tonight. I, I I'm not sure.
1: There's also Finnbogi Palmason, if I'm pronouncing that right, the yeah. 19-year-old who plays in central defence. I think he was a young player. Of the season in Iceland last time around, he's, and interestingly, he's been twice on twice on trial with Celtic. That was during Brendan Rodgers' time in charge, and uh, this January, Rangers. this January, he was invited to yeah, Rangers on yeah, trial yeah. as well. Yeah,
4: yeah, I think so. I think so. And is he how yeah.
1: how how good is he, Kjartan?
4: Well, I have seen him last season, and I I was kind of really surprised when you look at the age because he's got a good good body and and and. Like very calm and and like it's not like he was nervous at all, but uh, yeah, without putting a lot of pressure on me, I think he's a very very promising young player. And I was uh, I was asked about him in an interview um, last a uh, couple of days ago, um, and maybe it was wrong of me to, to say Van Dijk, but when 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 I got asked if I had to uh, uh, compare him to 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 somebody, and obviously I played against Van Dijk when I played with O'Kea against Celtic uh, these years ago um, so uh, he's strong he's like he's eating on the ball and, and calm uh, but obviously he needs some experience and, and some more games under his belt because he's been injured for a while but but yeah I think he's a very good player and, and time will tell how, how far he will come
1: So he looks a wee bit like he's out for a Sunday afternoon stroll when he's when he's playing football and, and maybe that's, that's why he looks a bit like Virgil van Dijk uh, sometimes uh, it just looks to come pretty easily to him, does it?
4: Yeah, it's just like very, very, very calm. Yeah, as you said, like he he makes maybe difficult things uh, look easy when they actually are not. Uh, but again, he, he is not. he's probably not faced uh, the most difficult plays yet. So, so it's going to be a big test for him tonight if if, if he's playing. I don't know, um, but I hope hope for him that he will he will play good and 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 have a bright future.
1: Will it be nine or ten across the back for KR tonight? Sorry? Will it be nine or ten players across the back? Will it be parking the bus in a desperate attempt to to stop Celtic doing what they do?
4: Um, they, of course, they at least they have to defend very well if they if they don't want to lose lose big.
1: That's what we always do
4: uh, when we are underdogs. We 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 try to try to uh, be compact and and, and and go on the break. But it's going to be difficult also to defend in f- for 90 minutes. But. But I mean, they'll probably go for set pieces and stuff like that and, and try to get a lucky goal. But uh, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. But I expect Celtic to go easily through.
1: And it's the same coach, isn't it, at KR, who was in charge in 2014?
4: Yes, yeah, exactly. It's the same coach. So he might. We were actually unlucky in the first leg when we played then, uh, at home. We, we lost 1 0 uh, on a late, late goal. So things might have been different if, if, if it, would, it would have been 0 0. But, but you know, when it's one game. I expect Celtic to to just power through and, and be professional tonight.
1: It sounds like you've still got a place in your heart for Celtic because of your time here. Um does that mean you've got torn torn loyalties tonight in terms of who you're backing? <sighs> yeah, well <laughs> To be fair, I couldn't care less who <laughs> it.
4: <laughs> Good answer. But, uh, but, but uh, it, 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 it's like you know, is like my second home, and you know, I, I know some of the players there. I don't, I don't know anybody in the Celtic team uh, except maybe the physios. Physios, <laughs> I'm not sure if they're still there. Yeah,
1: you saw, uh, you saw too much but, of them. Uh,
4: I love, I love Glasgow. I love uh, Celtic Park. Uh, it's like it was the first club I played for when I was a very young kid and uh, so i uh, love the people i love the politeness of everybody and everybody was so lovely so we, me and my wife we try to we try to travel to glasgow every year but this uh sorry uh freaking corona is ruining everything <laughs> but uh, we're looking forward to coming back at least
1: i'm glad you said freaking or you could have got us taken off here there
3: yeah, uh, <laughs> you have to come and visit us
1: yeah Yeah, lovely to talk to you, uh, Kjartan. And and, uh, as you said, uh, maybe we'll be talking to you again in the next round for your expert insight into Ferencvaros as well.
4: Yeah, no problem. Enjoy your night.
1: All the best. Good to talk to you. This is the yes, Go Radio you. Football Show. That was Kjartan Finn on the Hurdle facing Celtic in Europe tonight. We're going to hear from Charlie Adam and Gary Caldwell in the course of tonight's show. Your questions for them or just your opinions on anything that's happening in Scottish football at the moment. 0808 17 17 700.
5: The Go Radio Football Show. Let's go.
1: We're already 25 minutes into the Go Radio football show for a Tuesday evening. Uh, join us, get involved, 0808 17, 17 uh, Go and your message to 87474 on the text and on the socials. It's at go football Show. Rob McLean, Ali DeFoy and Richard Foster is with us in the studio. And next up, delighted to say the former Rangers midfielder, Charlie Adam joins us. Hi, Charlie.
6: Good evening, you okay?
1: Yeah, how are you?
6: Yeah, I'm good, thank you, yeah. Just um, training away and looking to see what pops up in the next few weeks and get back playing football.
1: So what's going to pop up in the next few weeks?
6: I don't know. I don't know. The market's slow at the moment. Um, Obviously, I've got a few options I'm looking at at the moment, at home and abroad, and and just really need to look at um, a decision with the family in the next couple of weeks and and decide where, where we want to go and what we want to do.
1: Would coming back to Scotland be a possibility for you?
6: It is, but... Like you know I said in other uh, previous shows that I've had no contact with any clubs in scotland um and and that is that's that's his way of saying it to everybody I, you know nobody's been in contact with my agent or myself, and you know we'll wait and see what else what else comes along
1: Have you not had a conversation Charlie at all with rangers as as to coming coming back
6: in in this in this- in this window absolutely not no, no previously, not previously previously yes previously previously yes but not not now um you know, I think that that has gone. Um,
1: is that and, disappointing?
6: Uh, listen, everybody wants to play for the big clubs, and everybody feels that they can contribute. Is it disappointing that you know the clubs are looking at positions where they they want to improve? Do you feel that I could still contribute to Rangers? Absolutely, but you know the manager and the director of football want to go in a different way and, and see what the, the the way they want to progress. They've got a big job on their hands this season, and um, no, we'll see. We'll see what happens. You know, Scottish football is. Is where it started for me. It's you know it's something I keep an eye on, and you know I would never rule anything out.
1: You're looking fighting fit at the moment as well.
6: Yeah, I'm trying to just you know I'm training hard. um You know, train on my own five days a week. It's been tough, but um, you know that's just the mental strength that you have to you do when it's you know you go through every day. You try and keep a routine, um, the same as what I've done in the lockdown. Try and keep the same routine every day that I would do at a club and and wait for a phone call and hopefully something will pop up where. I feel you know I could go and contribute, um, and and still still feel that I'm I'm ready and able to to play the the highest level as possible.
1: What do you make of your old team at the moment, Rangers? Uh, obviously, spilled points um, as they would see it at Livingston on Sunday at a time when they're looking to steal a march on Celtic and push it ahead as far as they can in the Premiership here.
6: Yeah, listen, it's. Um, it was frustrating, you know, the The manager said they got to a certain point in the pitch where then they could be creative. You know, on the Astro you just have to play one and two touch. Play it sharp, play it quick. You know, we all know that Rangers have got better players than Livingston. But on the day, you know, that final end product just wasn't there for them. You know, you, you, your players at the top end of the pitch. I think they, they missed the rebound a little bit, as in you can carry the ball up the pitch for them. But you can't, And you had you. You know, Morello's never really done in, enough in the game to, to warrant that. You know, opportunity to go and win the game And, and it's frustrating because they started the season You know, um, away at Aberdeen Done really well, home to, to St Mern But, you know, it is um, it is a disappointment But it's time to bounce back They've got no Europa League now So that's a, a focus now on just winning the next game And that's that'll be at the, the weekend
2: Charlie, how's it going? Yeah, good mate, you okay? I'm not bad um, Do you think that there's been a change in terms of the, the kind of younger players in football, because I was at the game on uh, on Sunday, I was uh, doing the commentary, and obviously there were no fans there. You can hear the players on the pitch. Now we were down uh, James Tavernier's side in the second half, and he's put in probably three or four incredible crosses, and the strikers have got nowhere near them. Now, if that was me or or kind of players that I know, older players that I know, they'd have been screaming at the strikers, "Look, you need to try and get on the end of this ball. The ball's not going to land on your head. Make sure." Sh- Try and make something happen But have you noticed Like down the road Have you noticed a difference With younger players Where you can't You can't speak to them The same way You can't kind of Shout at them To gee them up You kind of need to do yeah. it A different way
6: Yeah I think that is The times that we're in At the moment Which um, you know I've, I'm, I'm finding it Tough myself When you You know When you want to have a go or Not have a goal, But try and help And try and improve It's like you know You're trying to You know Be too hard on them, they want everything ago. they want to just have it happen in their own time, they just, you know it's like it's a, uh, you know, you're you're having a goal, but I, I I see it as if somebody, you know, what I was used to is coming up, you know, you see, one of your lads on the show, Barry Ferguson, they, oh, he was having a goal at me, but it's because he wanted the best for you, not because of anything else, it was because he felt yeah. that you can give more to the team, You you're better than what you're producing and, you know, I just don't think at the moment, these younger players now don't see that they see it as that you're hard on them you, you you're criticizing them but that will change and that's that's where the good senior players need to get into the minds of the younger players nowadays the mentality the players have to change you need to you need to be on it every day in life you know what i mean you can't just have an off day even in training that's, the, that's that's what you have to do drive that forward every day as a senior player and 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 hopefully one day the penny will drop but um listen we've got exciting talent you know it's uh, I like to see what's going on with, uh, with uh, the, the Scottish team at the moment, um, and in the league, there's good players. You look at Lyndon Knights, who's got to move for two million pounds to to QPR. So the the quality is there. It's just you know when you when you go to the next level, it's about mentality and um, the pressures of going to the next level. Can you handle that? And um, no, it's like you say, it, it's it's frustrating. But you know, good senior players have to rally around and, and help these young lads get to the level they they're definitely the rewarded.
2: Yeah, it, it certainly seemed on Sunday certainly that, you know, like you said, the Rangers had a, a lot of quality on the pitch, but they just never seemed to have someone who was just even even putting in a tackle, even I do know, grabbing someone by the kind of scruff of the neck or, or getting booked or just to do something to try and get the team going. It was just a bit yeah. of we just kept and they I, kept doing the same things and the I, same things.
6: I, and I, and I think that Rangers have I've, I've missed that leadership quality. Just you know, you you have players on uh, that will go and you know can dictate with the pace or the the pass and things like that. But I don't see anybody going and grabbing a game with a scruff in the neck and saying, "Right, come on, then." Let's you know, like I, I keep going back to it. For instance, the, the manager, when he was, you know as a player, he would produce one bit of magic in the game that can win you a game at nothing, and, and, and you know that's the moment where you look for a Kent, you look for Hadji, you just want one bit of magic, one special moment in the game where they can go and win the game for 1-0. Livingston's a tough place to go, Gary Holt's got them set up well, um, they work hard, but you just need your your, your key players um, to go and penetrate a pass or go and get grab the game by the scruff of the neck and, and, and you win that game, move on to the next one and then you go to the next one. But at the moment, I think they lacked that at the weekend where they you know missed that drive and determination from midfield or one of
1: the the front front players, but
6: it it will come. It's early doors in the season, and, and hopefully he can start producing in the next few weeks.
1: But even at, even at this stage, Charlie, uh, it must be pretty frustrating uh, for Stephen Gerrard, the manager, uh, to be looking at the pitch and and things. I mean, you're not going to get a player with Stephen Gerrard the ability uh, for for Rangers that that just is unrealistic to ha- to have that available. But I mean, the Rangers need almost a Scott Brown. The Rangers need something like the. Uh, a player who does the job that Scott Brown does for Celtic, which is exactly the type of player you're, you're talking about, isn't it?
6: Yeah, well, they, they might do, but you know, you've got Ryan Jack in there, you've got Stephen Davis in there, who are, are good footballers. I do. I would just like to see Rangers, you know, going from one side to the other side quicker, switch a play, and coming back out and going the other side quicker. I think they they labour too much in midfield. I've seen it up at Aberdeen when I was on the radio. I felt that. The intensity of the pass from, you know, maybe coming from Tavernier into Jack, it was an extra touch instead of going from maybe one side to the other quicker right out to Barisic to, to move people. Because when you're playing against the Livingston, you need to move the defence. You need to, you know, they, they're they happy to play everything in front of them. So if you're getting, you know, Tavernier making underlaps or overlaps, but I think the balls and the speed of the pass has got to go quicker for Rangers at the moment if they can. And they type of games where there's a, you know, a team like Livingston that are sitting in... And, and then listen, that will come with, with games as well and, and sharpness. So nah, I'm I'm not worried. I really think it's a it's a blow for, for, for Rangers not getting the, the three points at Livingston, but they'll react in the right way, hopefully. And listen, we, we're just hoping that the season can, can go as long as possible and the, and, the, and the challenge will be there.
1: What was your most enjoyable moment in a blue shirt, Charlie?
6: Oh, I had many, many many moments. I loved it. It was a great club. I loved I loved the thing about the, the pressure of being at Rangers. Obviously, Rich will know that that's, that's what you miss. You know, when you leave from the big clubs, it's the pressure I I, I miss. You know, you put pressure on yourself, but...
1: The intensity you know, as well, yeah. yeah. The
6: intensity of winning every week is tough. You know, I've seen it in groups of players. I've been in the last few years where it's, it's okay to draw. At Rangers, it's not okay. You need to win every week. And that's, that's what I, I, I miss. That you know the intensity of being there in front of fifty thousand, driving a team, trying to drive a club forward, if you can, do you know what I mean. And but that's the the pressures of being at Rangers and Celtic. It's you know they're they're the two top clubs in, in Scotland and in Europe as well. But no, I had many moments. I think the Champions League goal against Stuttgart was 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 a highlight. But ah, there was there was great times there, you know. And I'm I'm really fortunate enough that that's where I started, and I just. A shame it never lasted longer than it did because it's a great club and, and it's in a good place at the moment um, with good people there doing doing good work.
3: Charlie, it's Ali here. How did you enjoy your stint uh, in black and white at St Mirren? How was that time for you?
6: No, I I loved it. Um, I um, It was a great eye-opener for me to learn the game, going into a dressing room, a senior dressing room properly, where I was going in there with a little bit of a... You know, uh, an eye-opener is And when I was going in there I was, you know, Ian Maxwell, John Potter um, Gus McPherson, Andy Millen um, uh, People like that So mm. Kirk Broadfoot It was great for me I really enjoyed it I was a younger player But I bought into it Do you know what I mean? It was. I was going there from Rangers And I always say to the younger players now Going on loan when you go on loan and you're coming from a big club especially, you you need to go to these clubs and be the best player. And that's what I tried to do. And I was fortunate enough that I, I felt that I'd done well enough to contribute to that and I'd come back to Rangers and played the next season at Rangers. So, no, I always believe that when you go to a so-called lesser club, make sure that when you do go there, that your attitude's right, you work hard, you work harder than, than what their lads are working and show why you're at a big club and hopefully you know, your performance and your ability will shine through in the end.
1: Trust you getting St Mirren and I'm going to get Ross Kentian as well because <laughs> there was a brief spell there as well for, yeah. for Charlie up, up in Well, You've had a, an amazing career, Blackpool, great heady times at Blackpool, uh, Liverpool of course, Stoke City uh, as well, Charlie. Do, do you find yourself um, having to stick up for, for Scottish football south of the border? It gets a old kicking, doesn't it, a lot of the time?
6: It does, and and I think that's that's the how Scottish football and English football is perceived to to Scottish football. But we're producing players, you know. I what I try and say to clubs is that if you go to Scotland, you're going to get good value for the player and what you're getting. If you want to buy somebody in England, you pay over the odds. Go to Scotland, you'll get good players for good value with resale. And you know, I think we've produced you know great players that go to Scotland to England as well. You know, there's a lot of players in the Premier League and in the Championship as well. But now you can see the, the the League One clubs are starting to go to Scotland as well because they know that the, the quality is there. You're getting a, a good mentality player. Um, you know They want to work hard. They want to learn. And and, it, and it's a good market to, to bring players into.
1: What do you make of the two recent uh, Rangers signings? You maybe know a wee bit about Kemar Roof, I would imagine. Uh, Cedric Eaton, obviously, came from Swiss football.
6: Yeah, don't don't know him too much about Itani. He's obviously scored a lot of goals last season at St. Gallen. Um and, you know, he's another one that's, you know, gonna have to hit the ground running. You know, you can't just come into Rangers, you need to go in there and hit the ground running. If he can do that, score goals. I just still think there's a, the big issue surrounding Morelos. What the, what is the decision? I think that I think the club would rather know what where they are if somebody's gonna come from. It might be late in the window. But they've prepared themselves for that and bringing these two lads in. Roof is one that's more dynamic. Will be looked to stretch the game, but also can come and play in the 10. Scored a lot of goals at Leeds. Also went to Anderlecht for seven million. Ranges of, you know, the over the last few windows and few couple of seasons, they've spent big money. Kent Hadji, you know, now Roof. Um, so it's uh, it's 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 a project that that keeps the goal, but you know when you're at Rangers you need to win trophies and that's that's the end all that they have to do and hopefully they can do that this year.
1: What's your feeling about Morellas? Do you think he will stay the course for the season or No. No.
6: No, I think he will go. I think the the club of I think the club from my opinion are fed up of, you know, how it's going. It's, you know, the way he's come back fitness-wise I don't think is right. I don't think he's given the team what he did last season. And the only reason he's playing at the moment is because the, the other lads are not up to speed. Um, uh, I think that if, if it was earlier in the, you know, the, the Aberdeen game, I don't think he would have played if he had Roof in or he had a, someone else in up to speed uh, because the, his levels, his sharpness is not there. But that will come with the games if he keeps playing. You know, Obviously, he played, scored against that St Mern, so he, he obviously had to play against Livingston, but he got dragged off again. And how he walked off the pitch, never shoot the manager's hand.
2: And and things like that. With, uh, you're not having
1: you're not having him. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I I, no, I actually I, want to know no. ha, how many clubs he's been linked with since he came to Rangers because it must be over thirty. But I would also like to know how many actual official bids there have been, because yeah. I I can't see there being as many bids as there has been linked interest. No, certainly, let, let, I, I, I,
6: I, there has been bids. That is something that I do know. There has been bids for him, but at the moment, Rangers value Matt. You know, be close to to 20 million pounds. That's that's how I, I would see it. Um, and you know, why would you give up your your asset if you're thinking, you know, someone like a Dembélé left Celtic to go to Leon for for big money? He's your main man. He scored 50 odd goals in two seasons. You want to get as much value as possible for him. Um, but I think that Rangers, let's say, if they get the right money, they will
1: sell him. Charlie, good to talk to you. Thank you very much and hopefully Thanks, we'll speak Charlie. to you Thanks, again you in the course of the season former Rangers midfielder Charlie Adam on the Go Radio Football show
0: The Go Radio Football show Let's go.
1: Yeah, this is the Go Radio football show between 5 and 7, Monday to Friday. Just heard there from Charlie Adam. Don't get the feeling he's a big Alfredo Morelos fan. What do you reckon about what Charlie said about him? Later on, we'll be hearing from Gary Caldwell, a former Celtic defender on the night that reigned, uh, that Celtic returned to European football. That match at Celtic Park, 7.45 kickoff against KR Reykjavik. And talking about Celtic, we've got Jack on the line, who's a uh, a Celtic fan, Jack. Hello there. How are you doing?
7: I'm not bad, yourself.
1: Yeah, good. What would you like to say?
7: Uh, I just think that Celtic need to put in a couple bids for some more defenders. I think um, we need we need some more depth. I think Abd um, El Hamed is too injury prone for our only backup centre half. I think we need another left back if Ball and Goalie's out. Um, if Greg Taylor gets injured, we don't have another left back. Um, I also think that if we take this season seriously, we need a proper, strong, solid centre half. Um, Julian and I are, have been getting bullied even by um, Kabamba and Dykes in our own league, although Dykes is away now in
1: the last season as well. Is Shane Duffy the man, Jack? Do you reckon? <laughs> he's, I, think, I think he could be. I think
7: he's that type of. Getting your first defender that Celtic are needing to take us forward.
1: What do you reckon, Richard?
2: Um, I I agree that, um, that Julian, especially, I think against the bigger strikers, I feel that he struggles um, with the yeah. physicality. Um, you know, if you look at uh, Duffy, you said there, I think he's he's used to dealing with big guys in the Premiership. You know, so I think, um, as Jack rightly said, he, he probably fits the bill of the type of defender. I just I think it, they need a defender who. Like you said, we'll kind of put in a tackle. You know, we'll, we'll make a, mm-hmm. a statement early in the game that that lets a striker know you're going to be in for a tough challenge. Because I feel that watching um, the guys against Kabamba, certainly they allowed him to muscle his way into the game, and then for the full game he bullied them. Whereas you know, centre halves, good centre half that I've played, but good centre halves, that, you know, David Weir at Rangers, if he was playing against a guy who knew it was going to be a tough challenge early on in the game, he he'd, he'd give him a sore one. And the guy would know he's going to be in a game Whereas I don't see the two Celtics and a halves Being that way inclined
1: I mean that, that game at Rugby Park I mean it, it, it's only one game But I guess Jack for Celtic fans It maybe took you back to other games last season Maybe the season before Where Celtic have against a striker As you mentioned London Dykes Have got themselves roughed up a bit And, and maybe Ayer and Julian are, are too concerned with Playing the ball out from the back Rather than at times purely defending
7: yeah, um, that's totally it um, I think that we do we just need someone that'll like Richard saying, put in that hard tackle early on, set the tone of the game, um, especially concerning what's at stake this season not only the potential 10 in a row but um, getting some some good money um, in from the Champions League as well because that's where um, the money for these good players come from for us, that's where we're lucky we we'll get the Champions League football or the
1: Europa League. The, you, you also mentioned uh, Greg Taylor. We're going to hear, hear from him shortly, talking about the game tonight. But uh, I mean, Richard, uh, Richard Foster, and myself, we, we were speaking about that before we came on air. That just that suddenly the. Celtic at times have looked really well off in the full-back positions but at the moment in that left-back position well, he, he's going to be playing a lot of football Greg Taylor um, because there really isn't anyone else in the absence of uh, bolly Bully and goalie
2: No, I, that's true and I think you suggested that the, the one alternative and I think he's been deployed there before is, is Callum McGregor but I think you know, I, I don't think Jack will tell me different. But I don't think any Celtic fan wants to see him at, back at left back. You know, he's he's part of their engine. No, absolutely not. Exactly. <laughs> he's he's one of the most creative players they've got. So to have him kind of stuck at left back as a as a. You know, as a bit of a polyfiller, is is not the answer. So yes, you know, depending on what happens with with, with ball and goalie, Celtic might have to to look to strengthen that area.
1: That does, Jack, doesn't it, bring the Celtic fans out in a cold sweat? I think the the thought of putting Callum McGregor back there it doesn't really work for him in that position, and you also lose so much when he's not in the middle of the pitch.
7: Yeah, a hundred percent. For me, Callum McGregor, especially last season, was one of our best players. He he was he controlled the game. Um, Every game for the whole game, um, so putting him out there on the in the left back position, I think it isolates him. I think you're you're losing out on his abilities. Um, although we do have players that can fill in for him in the middle, I, I just think it's um, a waste of his talents putting him there.
1: Jack, what's your prediction for tonight? Score line?
7: Um, I don't know. I'd, obviously, I hope we can win, but it depends how we play on the night. You, you would have said that we would, we would win against Kolmarnik and we didn't so I suppose it just depends on the night but I really hope that they'll they'll be feeling it for the occasion and we can uh, get a win
1: Would you have been there tonight had you got in?
7: Well, I don't know
1: <laughs> i like think so. think so But you're itching to get back watching Celtic yeah. uh, up at close quarters I would imagine yes
7: 100% 100% best feeling in the world
1: Good man good to have you on the show as well Jack thanks for calling and, uh, nice one, guys. All the nice best. Uh, Darren's a, yes. a Celtic fan as well from Grangemouth. Hi, Darren. Hi, how are you doing, guys? Very well, how are Good, you? Thanks.
5: Ah, not too bad. What would you uh, like to say? So, firstly, the last caller brings me into a cold sweat. I think about Callum McGregor <laughs> playing at left back again.
1: Yeah.
5: Secondly, uh, uh, he's are doing a great job. Thanks very much. And two, I fancy, I think, or no, I fancy, I feel that Celtic need a uh, a demolition tonight just to get us back on track after the killer result. The last couple of weeks we've had, you know, kind of knocked us for six a wee bit, certainly myself as a fan. But I think just a, a good scoreline, a good positive attack and performance. Uh, We'd put us back on track what
1: do you think and you would think Richard Foster that, that Celtic will be just itching to go having been denied a couple of games
2: yeah I've, um, you know, I've faced there are certain times where you don't want to face it like you know flag day is one of them um, when they're lifting the trophies another one but uh, days like today I, that's that fits the bill you know they've not had the game they've had all the kind of the nonsense off the pitch not a lot of positivities um, as Darren said and I think that yeah, it could it could be a, a five or six tonight if, if you know if Celtic approach this game, which I'm sure they will. You know, I'll, Neil Lennon will have them fired up. They'll approach this game with all guns blazing. i think, thinking it will be they'll they'll want to come back and make a bit of a statement.
1: Darren, let's have a quick listen to what Neil Lennon has said in the build up to this.
2: You know, for me, the game's all about us. We're at home.
4: Um, it's one leg, so our preparation has been good, even though. We missed out on a couple of games, which would have helped. But, um, you know, we've we've given plenty of respect to Reykjavik, but I'm expecting a strong performance from ourselves
1: tomorrow. What would you settle for, Darren, in terms of scoreline tonight? What's going to make you happy, minimum?
5: I, I, I want a... If we can get three without a return, because there is just sometimes that defenders depend. I don't know too much about Reykjavik, so I don't know if they've got a big, you know, their strikers a a big burly guy like we've we've struggled with in the past. So I would like to hope that we could get three without reply, and any more than that would be bro.
1: How happy are you with uh, the signing of Albion Ayeti? Are you are you pretty hopeful? I mean, he, if you listen to him, he certainly sounds a confident guy, doesn't he? When he when he explains to you the way he plays and what he's going to do.
5: He certainly talks a talk Again, I know, I'll no lie I don't know too much about him I've seen a couple of clips of him from when he was at Ball um, obviously didn't get much of a run out last year at West Ham but if he if he plays half as good as everybody thinks he's, he's gone then he should be on to a winner
1: but you've got a winner up there already up front. Uh, Odson Edouard, if he continues doing what he's doing, I mean, I guess that that must be really frustrating for for him and his and, and his fan club, his, his massive fan club, uh, looking at what he did on that opening weekend against Hamilton. Um, and unfortunately, like all the Celtic players, he's been kicking his heels since.
5: Ah, uh, he got after a flyer, which is is good for him uh, and everybody at, at Kelly had had an off day, which is which is poor, but hopefully sets sets it straight the night and maybe grabs a wee hat-trick again for himself.
1: Let's hear from uh, Greg Taylor, what's he thinking uh, about the match tonight against Reykjavik? We
2: won't struggle to be up for it um, we want to qualify and uh, we, that's our motivation there we will miss our fans of course, we're all the 12th uh, man for us and uh, certainly on a European night they're superb but um, that's not an excuse for us, we'll uh, look forward to when they're back but um, tomorrow night we understand what it's all about and that's uh, our motivation there.
1: That was him speaking yesterday, of course, Greg Taylor. How happy are you with uh, Greg Taylor and what he's been doing for you so far, Darren?
5: Uh, I think he's, he's, he's done all right. He got after a bit of a slow start last year. Ball and goalie had the, the sort of left back jersey um, nailed down at the beginning, but I think he, he, get, he doesn't get a, a, as much credit as he deserves, um, Greg Taylor. Uh, he's come on since he joined Celtic, and I think he could probably push on further still. People are calling for uh, us to, to sign our. A first choice left back But for me I think He's he's good enough To develop into Or to be a first choice And then develop further
1: I should probably ask Our full back correspondent <laughs> In the studio uh, Richard Foster How highly he rates Greg um, Taylor
2: Very highly I think he's he done very well At Kilmanock I think You look at him in stature wise He's obviously not the biggest But I, you know He doesn't get done over At the back post um, He's got a great leap on him His timing's good in the air um, I think And that's You know that, That's one thing I would always look at Because as, as a As a full back You get called out in that quite a lot, you know, that way when you're running backwards and you need to try and jump and defend and, and you know, f- off the top of my head just now I can't think of any times where even bigger players have come over the top of him and scored a goal. Um, I think going forward he fits it very well, he's got a great left foot, um, he's very positive, he's quick um, and I I, I I agree with uh, Darren there, I think he is a first choice left back and I think that, you know, the, this season probably initially there's no one there to 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 kind of fight for his place, so that'll help him and he'll develop into a, a top player for Celtic
1: Darren do you expect Celtic to get busy again in the transfer market in terms of that left back position maybe central defence and any other areas of the, the team that you think need strengthened at this stage as well
5: uh, I think um, let's say after the last couple of weeks with Ball and Golly I don't think he'll he'll feature again for Celtic so I think we need a, another left back in to at least challenge Greg Taylor and um, Possibly another centre-half. I'd like to see somebody a bit no-nonsense. I know uh, Duffy's been mentioned, but but could be a bit too expensive. Um, and maybe another winger as well, because I don't think uh, having Eli Anussi and Forrest available at the minute is, is enough. You know, Shred's away on loan, but he was never really there, so you, weren't, you were never a man down. Um, and Mikey Johnson's a wee bit injury-prone. Now he's got a couple of weeks to come back, so I think we need a left-back, a centre-half and a winger, I think.
1: And do you want to see Celtic make the sort of investment in the team at this stage just to remove any doubt uh, about being denied the 10 in a row?
5: I think uh, I get the feeling among Celtic fans is that we need to, to just go for the jugular this, this season. No point mucking about and, you know, it's okay, we got lucky last season with we, we, we guys like Frimpong come in, come on to a winner, you know, but he was really meant to be a development player. So I I wouldn't fancy putting all your eggs in that basket. Rather than just go for it and make let like you say, make sure there's no doubt about it.
1: And have you been concerned about the lack of games and the, and the prospect of of Rangers getting ahead? And you wouldn't have been too distraught, I imagine, with that draw at Livingston for Rangers on Sunday.
5: Well, again, it I kind of sort of cemented what I, what I thought that since Gerrard's come in for for Rangers that they've they've been bottle crashers. To be honest they've no shown that they can handle pressure. you know they had the chance to go for eleven points ahead, you know all going well for them before Celtic kick aboard domestically again, and they've shown that the pressure being in front or having that chance to take it, they just can't handle it. I know he was a fantastic player, but to me as a manager, he's not shown that he's got that skill or the motivation to drive his players forward.
1: Darren, good to to have you on the show. Thanks for calling us on the Go Radio Football Show. And uh, we'll be talking Celtic on the back of the news at six as well because we'll be speaking to the former captain, Gary Caldwell.
0: The Go Radio Football Show. Let's
6: go!
1: Here we go into the second hour of the Goal <laughs> Radio <laughs> that is the Football I've ever Show. Seen you move wrong. I was out of the studio when the <laughs> theme started playing, and uh, I may have to have a, a lie down. Uh, we, <laughs> earlier on, we heard from Charlie Adam. Uh, he wasn't having Alfredo Morella's was he? He thinks it's only a matter of time before uh, the goal machine is sold by Rangers, who, of course, in the course of this season, desperately want Celtic to stop doing ten on the trot. We also heard from uh, Kiarton Finnbogason, the former Celtic player. He was there uh, briefly The Icelander also played for K.R. Reykjavik Who are Celtic's opposition tonight In the Champions League qualifiers at European football is back And Gary Caldwell is on the show The former Celtic defender Also former Hibs defender Wigan 55 caps for Scotland And also manager at Wigan Chesterfield And more recently Partick Thistle Gary, how are you?
0: I'm fine, how are you?
1: Very well, how's lockdown been?
0: It's been tough, homeschooling was uh, very, very challenging uh, but we were all healthy and I think that's the most important uh, thing at this time uh, and I think we've, everyone's probably learned different things throughout this and the world's now a different place and we, we have to learn to, to live with that.
1: And you thought managing Patrick Thistle was tough as well? <laughs> I
0: did, yeah. No Homeschooling definitely took me to another level. <laughs> that,
1: that puts it all into perspective, doesn't it? Uh, we're not far away from kickoff tonight in Glasgow, Gary. The the Champions League qualifiers, um, they've got to be done, haven't they? These, these are difficult games, sometimes against opposition you know little about, but it's about uh, getting over the hurdles and getting to the tournament proper, isn't it?
0: Yeah, and I think this year it's even more difficult. The way you know the season ended, uh, the the lack of games that that the players have had, the lack of preparation that the players have had, the, the difficulties obviously dealing with the virus and what that brings on a day to day basis. But uh, I'm sure Celtic are well prepared. I'm sure they're ready and and they've been over this you know many times before. They know what it takes. Uh, and I'm sure they'll they'll have enough quality to go through.
1: What was your best moment in European football with Celtic?
0: Uh, we had a few I think that it was you know when I think back to to qualify for the last sixteen in the Champions League twice as is a remarkable achievement for a for a Scottish club with at the time we had mainly Scottish players. Uh the night at E C Milan at home was was a special game. The Man United games were special. It's just an unbelievable competition the hairs in the back of your neck stand up when you you hear that that theme that
1: music yeah
0: and the roar at Celtic Park you know after it and and the atmosphere that that Celtic Park generates you know at the time you probably take it for granted but thinking back they were just incredible games to play in and and really privileged to, to be a part of such a great team and a great club
1: those are amazing memories, aren't they? They must be. Yeah. When you when you rhyme off those games, Richard Foster in the in the studio with us, um, you know that Champions. And it is a bit of a cliche, but it must be incredible uh, to hear that theme.
2: Yeah, it is. I mean, I've still got the photo of the you know the team photo before the game. <laughs> the look on my face is just panic, just <laughs> petrified. Like you can see, it's just like it's just uh, in the Space of three weeks, I went from uh, playing in the Aberdeenshire Cup against Cove. To, to starting at home against Valencia in the Champions League. It was just like it was just so surreal. Um, but amazing, amazing memories and, you know, kinda probably my best some of my best nights in, and some of my best nights for Rangers but also some of my best nights in football.
1: Did it bring out the best in you, Gary?
2: Yeah,
0: I think it does. I think it tests you to the like Richie said, it tests you to the very limit of your ability. Uh you know you're playing against the best players in the world. Uh, and it's just, they're, they're great games to be involved and in. that's why you play football, you want to play at the highest level and for me the Champions League at cl- and club football is, is the highest level you can play and like I said I was lucky to be part of a brilliant Celtic team that, that managed to qualify twice, not not just for the Champions League but out the group uh, and, and that was, was a, a brilliant achievement and I'm sure. This team, this current Celtic team, is, is aiming to to get in the group first, and then and then try and do similar.
1: It was disappointing uh, last season, wasn't it? In the end, to go out to Copenhagen because uh, Celtic, having beaten Lazio home and away, were really believing in themselves at that stage, and, and I guess you were expecting them to go a good bit further.
0: Yeah, but there's no easy games in football now, and and I think you know you you look at some of these teams, you look at the Champions League semi-finals where with Leipzig and, and Leon, you know, like unfancied teams, but teams that are very well organised, tactically very clever, uh and and can cause the, the top teams, the Barcelonas, the Man Cities, uh, the Liverpool's a lot of problems and uh so I think in football now all, all these kind of smaller teams are they're not to be underestimated. You have to prepare and you have to be right if you want to win.
2: I think but, it, sorry I was cutting there. I was just saying that it's still, I still, I know it's going to change soon um, with the coefficient and stuff, but I still can't get my head around why the champions of Scotland have to play so many qualifiers to get in. It's, it's, it's only ever, you know, it's only going to keep that gap between, you know, the Celtic and the and the rest of the teams in the Champions League because they have to kind of go, get over so many hurdles and jump through so many hoops to get there. I think, you know, I don't know, is it next season or the season after? There's going to be two Champions League places, which means one less qualifying round, but for me, the champions should get in, I don't know how you feel Gary, but I think the champions should should get in automatically, and then, you know, te- teams that are third and fourth in England should play the qualifiers.
0: I totally agree, I think it, it should be, it's called the champions league, so you have to, you know, if you win your league, then you are the champions and you should automatically they qualify, I mean, thinking back, we had to play... Uh, Spartak Moscow one year and that was a, a fantastic occasion, we won on penalty kicks but a really, really difficult game over two legs we then came up against Arsenal so it wasn't as if the qualifying rounds were you know, fairly easy and you were going to get and they were very difficult and I think if you win your league, then without a doubt, you should you should go straight into the competition.
1: I think things are improving, though, aren't they, in terms of the, the rankings yeah. and our, our place and the, the dreaded coefficient. I hate, hate speaking about it because I, I kind of lose the bill to live, but, it uh, but it's really important for us. I think it's
2: next season that the, there'll be, I'm sure, Celtic will be one qualifying round further ahead and there'll be two Champions League spots, I think, or is it the season after? I'm not entirely sure but it is it is getting better but it's it's still ridiculous like I say Celtic should be in automatically um, and, and the qualifiers they play the team that are third or fourth in England or whatever it is or Germany they should be the ones playing the qualifiers
1: in my opinion Gary, agree with that Gary? Yeah,
0: yeah I totally agree I, I think it you know like I said it's called the Champions League and, and they should get in uh, automatically but obviously UEFA and uh, they have these ideas and, and these point systems that, like I, you said, I lose the will love myself and <laughs> understanding them. Uh, but it should be easier for the team that wins the league to, to, to get
1: into the, the competition. Are these awkward games, Gary, One, the ones like tonight against... I mean, you're, you're fancied to steamroller them, really, aren't? Uh, you're, and, and you're interested in getting into the Champions League proper, but, but you need to treat these games with respect, don't you?
0: Without a doubt. And and I think, you know, in in modern day football, there's, you know, it's not like back in the day where you you can't get information on these teams. Celtic will be, you know, fully equipped. They'll know their job. They'll know exactly the strengths and weaknesses of the opposition uh, so that they're ready to to go and get the result. But, like you said, there's no, it's not an easy game. It's not going to be a walkover. They they have to understand that they're going to have to work hard to to break them down and, and get the result. And and that is the be all and end all. Get the result that that
1: gets them in the competition. We mentioned those two uh, wins against Lazio, so impressive Celtic last season. You know, I guess um, there was disappointment. I, I get what you're saying about Copenhagen, and you can't take anything for granted in European football. But there was a lot of belief about Celtic in Europe last season, and I guess there's no reason to think that it won't be the same this time around because essentially it's the same squad.
0: Yeah, without a doubt, and. Always at home, they've had a phenomenal you know, record uh, at, at home in European competition, but I think what was impressive last year they were going away from home and getting really positive results, and w- when you can start doing that by winning and, and drawing away from home, it gives you an unbelievable, uh, or a better opportunity to, to progress in these competitions.
1: What do you feel about Celtic defensively, Gary Whitman? since ever we've done this programme over the last couple of weeks we've had Celtic fans calling us saying we need to stiffen up defensively they weren't happy with the performance at Rugby Park when um, when Nicky Cabamba of Kilmarnock uh, gave Julian and I are problems big problems um, a lot of Celtic fans are wanting a, a a really tough defender who doesn't get roughed up and, and who simply defends can can you see where they're coming from?
0: Yeah I can but uh, uh... There's not many out there in in modern football. I think more and more young defenders are are footballers before they are defenders, so they're very difficult to to come by. These players, and I'm sure uh, Neil Lennon and the backroom team are are looking for that type of player. I think the big thing would be competition more than anything. I think you know the two centre halves have done excellent last season. But you need competition and I I always felt when I was at Celtic, every year we seemed to sign a centre-half and that created competition within the squad. So you knew that what you did the previous year wouldn't be good enough because you were bringing quality players in to to make sure that the the players that were there were kept on their toes and and kept performing. So I think they need a a defender to create competition and and improve the the level of recent performances uh, of the center half.
1: How determined were you when you were playing that position for Celtic to stamp your authority on the game right from the start and not have the, the striker that you were playing up against get the upper hand and maybe get a little psychological edge on you early on?
0: You know, I'm, I'm sure forwards that played against you would say probably too much <laughs> at, at times. Uh, I think that was a, a big part of my game. I wanted to be very aggressive, very physical, and try and, like you say, psychologically dominate uh, your opposition. I had great chats with Scott McDonald when I used to play against him when he was at Motherwell, and we used to really kind of go at each other. And, and it was always that, you know, it's me or you. You know, you're in that one one v one duel as a centre half against the centre forward, and you have to try and dominate them however however you can. So uh, it's a big part of the game. Like I said, I think it's in younger players. It, it's going out the game a bit. Academies and stuff don't really uh, teach defending. They don't, sh- you know, teach players how to go and head the ball and be aggressive. And I think more and more we're developing defenders who are very good in the ball, comfortable in the ball, but we've lost this aggression that, that I think you need to, to be a centre half.
1: How did you how did you get on against him in the snarling stakes, Scott McDonald? I mean, he was he was Champions League level at that, wasn't he? Yeah,
0: he was he was good he wasn't as good as me but he was good <laughs> I'm sure he'll tell you he was I mean we, we're, I obviously you know played with Scott after that and then managed him at Partick Thistle and he was a, a fantastic player but I used to love playing against players like that where you know they gave as good as they got and then after the game you shake hands and, and you can have a chat about it after uh, and I think that's you know that's what football is all about
1: Talking of Partick Thistle have you got any advice for uh, Richard here who is uh, just embarking on his career at Farhill
0: Oh, no, I don't think I've, I'm uh, qualified to give you advice on that. I think uh, it was, you know, I, I gave everything for the club to, to try and, you know, change the, the downward spiral they were on. Uh, certain things happened off the pitch. Uh, I love my time there. I think it's a, a great club, and I really hope that Richie can help them and, and everyone involved at the club can help them to not get back to the, the Championship, get back to the Premier League, because they are a, a Premier League club. Uh, and hopefully they they can get back here in the, in the years to come.
1: I've got a question uh, here for you that's been uh, tweeted to us, uh, Gary. How much was it? How much difference was it managing in Scotland compared to England?
0: Uh, it was a little bit different. I, th- I think. I think the biggest thing I noticed between Scotland and England is the physicality of, of England. You know, if, every game you play, the opposition have, you know. Big players, physical players, quick players. I think in Scotland it's not; they don't have as many big physical players. So I think you can play a bit more, you can pass a bit more. Uh, I think tactically, that was you know some games were, were very you know a stalemate as such. A lot of teams match up against you, and tactically it was very difficult to to try and gain an advantage. But I think every experience I've had in football. Uh, as a player and then as a manager, I've enjoyed, I've tried to learn from it uh, and get better from it and Partick Thistle was no different, you know, we we had challenges, you learn from those challenges, we had some successes as well Uh, and it doesn't go the way you want it to go but you have to learn from that and and try and come back stronger and be better the, the next time you get that opportunity.
1: Did that damage you Gary, that spell at Partick Thistle?
0: Oh, not at all. Like I said, it, it doesn't go how you want it to go. Chesterfield didn't go how I wanted it to go. Uh, I had good success at Wigan, but uh, these experiences are, are what make you either. You know, If they don't kill you, then, then they make you stronger. And As a player, I had loads of setbacks, loads of difficult moments that I had to really dig in and, and grow and, and become better from, and, and this is no different. Uh, it's obviously painful at the time, but like I said, you look back, you, you pick the bones out of things, you try and learn lessons from it, and, and try and come back stronger. And when that opportunity comes, whether it be a coach or, or management again, then then I'll be a better person for it. So you know, I think that's the the main thing.
2: I, think I I completely agree. I think I've learned more from the the mistakes and the things that I've done wrongly in my career than I have from the successes. You know, the successes are great when they come and they look after themselves, but you you kind of if things don't go go right, um, you kind of look into yourself a bit more and, and, and kind of reassess what you could have done differently. And, and like Gary said, you hopefully come out the other side
1: a stronger, better person for it and, and a better either player or, or coach moving forward. So you're a better manager in terms of selling yourself, Gary, for your next job. Uh, you're that bit stronger uh, because you've learned from the experience you've had. Yeah,
0: without a, a doubt. I mean, in my, in my first... Well I say this quite you know I say it jokingly but I've had one full year as a manager from start to finish and I won I won the league at Wigan and every other time I've I've not managed to either see out a season or uh I've I've came in mid-season uh but I think back to that my first year when I did win the league and I'm a far better manager now than I was then and I managed to win the league uh, then so uh I think everything in life happens for a reason, and and like I said, as long as you self reflect, you you look at yourself, uh, you, you take the good and the bad, and and you learn from it, then uh, then you won't go too far wrong. It, it did me well in my, my playing career, and I hope it it's going to do me well in my, my coaching and management career as well.
3: Gary, it's Ali here. I was just thinking from what you were saying there. Do you feel that maybe if you had a full season start to finish with a particular club, then that would give you a much better Chance as a manager, do
0: you think? Yeah, every manager will say that. Every yeah. manager will say they need time. Well, you need time or money. Uh, if, you, if you get money, you can do it quickly. Uh, if you don't get money, you know it's going to take time. If you get both, then you're a very, very lucky manager and, and you have a great chance. Uh, but I look at, you know, the success that teams have. Uh, I look at Bournemouth. Who have obviously just been relegated, but the manager was there for a long time, and and that allows him to create a culture and develop a a real style with, within the club, right through the football club, uh, to allow him to get that success. It doesn't happen overnight. It took Jurgen Klopp four years to win a trophy at Liverpool, and now he, he is he's amazing. Everyone thinks he's brilliant, but that didn't happen overnight. He had to work extremely hard to to get to that point, and now it becomes easier for him because he has he's built the culture, he's built the playing style, and he just needs to maintain that and and keep pushing the players to to be better. So, I think every manager, like I said, would would say that, and and I'm no different. I worked extremely hard at all the clubs. I felt we were making progress in in some areas, but ultimately, you're judged by results. And, and that is the, the be-all and end-all. And when they don't go great, I think sometimes you need a little bit of support and backing to, to help you through those little moments. And once you get over those little moments, then I think that allows you the opportunity to get success. I had it at Wigan just before Christmas in the, my first season. The, the chairman pulled me in, the assistant manager. We had lost two games in a row, 1-0. He wasn't happy. And it was kind of like, you're under pressure here but he backed us. He gave us that, that little bit more time. We went in a 22-game unbeaten run and we went on to win the league. And I think those moments is when you need the backing of the, the football club. And uh, that's what, like I said, all managers would would like to to help them on their, on their way to, to try and get success.
1: Gary, good luck in your search for a new job. Good luck with the homeschooling, which is hopefully coming to an end <laughs> for you. And uh, thanks for joining us on the Go Radio Football Show.
0: Brilliant. Thank you. All the best.
1: That was Gary Caldwell. 0808 17 17 700 get involved.
0: The Go Radio
6: Football Show. Let's
1: go. Here, have your teeth back. they are a glass over here.
3: <laughs> oh dear. It's going to be it's fine. It's hot in here.
1: <laughs> the Go Radio Football Show 626. Thanks for your company tonight 5 till 7 Monday to Friday football chat all the way. And uh, we're going to be talking again, as we were earlier, about Celtic back in Europe, just over an hour away now to kick off at Celtic Park. Celtic versus KR Reykjavik in the Champions League qualifiers with some expert analysis earlier on from Kjartan Finnbogason, who's played for both those teams in the past. And we're going to get uh, some more uh, insight and analysis now Because uh, on the line On the Go Radio Football Show Is Stephen Lennon The former Rangers and Partick Thistle player Who uh, plays currently I'm going to call them FH Stephen Because that looks like a pretty big Scrabble score to me That full name Ah well that's fine That's what I call them as well <laughs> <laughs> It's Huf, Fjorder Is that the second bit? Hafner Fjorder It's not bad You just say it quickly And believe in yourself
8: Right, that's what I played aye.
1: You played, uh, played K.R. Reykjavik on Saturday and, and beat them. How was that? We played them
8: on Friday. Friday, Friday. was the game. Um, yeah, I mean, they're, they've been doing pretty well. They're the current champions. Um, we played them on their pitch, but I think we did well and we beat them 2-1. So it was a good result for us away from home um, and disappointment for them going into this uh, Celtic game
1: how do you compare the quality, how do you compare the standard of Icelandic football to to over here? I mean, how big a hurdle or how small a hurdle should uh, KR be for Celtic tonight?
8: Well, I would say if you take out obviously the the old firm and maybe uh, your heads and hearts and stuff, then um, the top teams here could compete with your likes of Motherwells and stuff. Um, But obviously Celtic are a different kettle of fish for anybody um, in Iceland. So, it will be difficult but they played them in 2014 and they only lost 1-0 in Reykjavik, so i expect a similar game uh, to that one
1: and then it was 4-0 at Murrayfield that game was played at Murrayfield wasn't it in 2014 right, yeah, yeah yeah what what's the style what, what what style will they adopt tonight because as we were saying to Kjartan earlier on um the coach is the same the coach is the the guy who was in charge 6 years ago
8: that's right runa um well in iceland they they play pretty attacking fullbacks, uh, so they use their fieldbacks a lot high in the field and um, get a lot of balls into the box, but as you would expect, they'll, I think they'll do what Kilmarnock did to Celtic last week, they'll sit deep um, and maybe try and hit them on the break, um, because obviously Celtic will dominate um, on a big pitch like Celtic Park, so I think uh, they'll just sit back and try to counter-attack.
1: And if you were to give a little bit of advice to your namesake, uh, Neil Lennon, t- tonight, and how to um, how to attack Reykjavik how to get the best out of playing against them what would be the what would be the weaknesses that, that you would be looking to take advantage of tonight if you were if you were in the playing in hoops
8: well I think just they have to just be patient um, I think KL, like I said will sit deep and Celtic will have a lot of the ball so they just have to be patient um, move the ball quickly and I think um, as soon as they up the tempo in small spaces and combine with the front players um the speed of play will be too quick for the KR defenders. Um, they don't really have a powerful and athletic uh, team, so I think um, once they combine some uh, quick play, they should be able to open them up.
1: Richard Foster's with us in the studio, Stephen. And, and these are awkward games, Richard, aren't they? They're, they're just games you ideally want out of the way.
2: Yeah, um, I think, you know, Stephen's touching it there, that Selk are going to have to basically be professional. They're, they Don't panic if they're not ahead in the first 15 minutes. Um, I think it works both ways with the crowd you know in the first 15-20 minutes if they've not scored the crowd would likely be kind of trying to get on their backs a little bit but they won't have that but similarly you know when Celtic are on top and the crowd get up it's a very very difficult place to play so in that respect the the KR players don't or uh, they don't have that kind of cauldron that Celtic Park can become Um, and, and, and you know We've seen of Icelandic teams. They, they don't mind. They don't mind doing the defensive side. They don't mind sitting in and, and uh, absorbing pressure. And it's just going to be whether Celtic have got the quality, which I, I do think they have far too much quality um, to not win the game tonight. Um, but the longer it goes when the game is nil nil, then the more kind of anxious the Celtic players might become, and that's when you, you know you don't you're not as relaxed and as you can be And sometimes you struggle To get your best form But I do I, I think Celtic are going to You know From the first first whistle They're going to go after them and I, and I You know I think this tie could be over by half time
1: Could lack of atmosphere Be an issue Stephen tonight?
2: Um, I wouldn't say so I think um, I think
8: As soon as Celtic Just get the ball rolling um, They'll open them up Quite quickly I, I don't have any Expectations To be honest If Celtic are on their, uh, The top of their game um, These games in Europe For Icelandic clubs when you get drawn against clubs like Celtic or uh, bigger teams in Europe, then they're just there for the experience. And it's a shame for the boys that they don't have maybe fifty or 60,000 fans to play in front of. So I don't think it will affect both sides at all. Um, I think Celtic will just get on with it professionally. And um, I think, like Richard said, they'll get the job done probably quite early.
1: The Celtic team has just been announced. Uh, it's about an hour and ten minutes to kick off but the, the team has been announced. So here it is, uh, Vasilis Barkas, uh, the nearly new uh, goalkeeper, the ex-AEK Athens man. He will be in goals. Um, there's no Christopher Ayer tonight for Celtic. I'm just looking to see. He, he is on the bench, so uh, it's a change at the back. So it's going to be near Beaton alongside Chris Julian in central defence. Greg Taylor, as the only left back on the books at the moment, uh, he will play uh, Hatem Elhamed, will play by the looks of it. I'm making this up as I go along, but he's going to play at right back for Celtic tonight. So it does look like a back four. Brown, McGregor, Christie, Forrest, Elianoussi in the wide positions and, of course, Odson, Edouard through the middle. How does that sound to you, Stephen Lennon, as a a starting line-up for Celtic?
8: Yeah, I mean, I think it's pretty strong. Um, I think, like I said, they shouldn't have any problems with that team. Um, it's just basically up to what Celtic do if they keep it professional and uh, play the way they can. And um, on a wet grass pitch, unlike the commander game, I think the the speed of playing a tempo will be a massive difference.
1: And I mean, it's it's squad strength as well, isn't it? Because when you look at when you look at the bench as well, it's frightening because it's it's Scott Bain, it's Albion Ayeti, it's Patrick Climala, Tom Rogic, Olivier and Charm, Jeremy Frimpong, and Christopher. I or Richard, what do you make of the bench? <laughs> I think what, what was
2: uh, the first guy Ayete, five million quid, was he? Yeah, <laughs> and he's on the bench. You know, I think that says says everything. And he's going to do well getting the team as we discussed before. with Edward, who is is exceptional um, in my opinion, he's and this is a big statement, but my opinion is even better than Dembele was when he was at Celtic. Um, and he and
1: and he knocked out Manchester City on Saturday exactly. night. Exactly. So
2: so you know, Ayete is going to have to. To really play well, to get in the team, but like I say, when you've got a five million pound player on the bench, um, it just
1: shows you the the strength and depth that Celtic And I guess Kr uh, Reykjavik going to this, looking at that sort of lineup, that sort of bench, Stephen, and thinking, well, we've got absolutely nothing to lose here, and and they can be inspired, I guess, by the by the even without a crowd, by the occasion.
8: Yeah, well, I think that that f- five million transfer fee is probably worth more than our league put together. So, <laughs> <Yeah>. um. <sighs> But yeah, uh, I would I would say obviously Celtic uh, are going to be far too good for KR. But they just have to take this as an experience and try and enjoy it as much as possible. Like I said, um, if they don't get back before midnight to Iceland, though, they're going to be in quarantine because the guidelines um, change at midnight. So that's a, another problem for them They have to rush back after the game. Right, so right. A half head on that. Yeah, no, <laughs> these are these
1: these are complicated times. Nothing is nothing is straightforward yeah. at the moment. I'm interested to to know about your. Icelandic experience, um, What you were with Rangers, you were with Partick Thistle, why the decision to, to go to Iceland in the first place?
8: Um, well obviously I was at Rangers all through my youth career and stuff and I um, was trying to break into the first team and I uh, was often involved with them, just sitting on the bench and stuff and then after that, if you don't have much experience, when I left Rangers at 21, 22, then it's difficult to find your... Your way down the, the football ladder and you can end up anywhere. Um, and that's what was happening to me. I was at Dundalk in Ireland and I was on loan to Lincoln City uh, with Chris Sutton. Um, oh, how was that? How was he? He was actually all right, to be fair. I, I quite liked him, um, but he didn't do that well, did he? So I think
1: he was on the job for a year and a half. No, he's he's on the show quite soon, so it'll be quite quite good to get some ammunition to throw at him because he'll, he'll be he'll be throwing plenty in the other direction.
8: Yeah, but I mean, he was fine with me. Um, but after playing and like falling down the ladder and stuff, um, I just decided that I would like to try something abroad, and um, the option in Iceland came up. And since I came over, I kind of I fell in love with it a little bit the way of living, and um, I quite enjoyed the games and we play in Europe the qualifiers anyway every year so um, that's an enjoyable part of the game and uh, yeah i've made a life here now so enjoy it
3: Stephen it's Ali here um, i think you've more than made a life you smashed the record <sighs> for goals scored on your 54th goal uh, for a foreign player in the league if i'm pronouncing this correctly Ulvesdít, uh back in 2018 how did that make you feel
8: yeah it was obviously um, it was a proud thing obviously i think they've had a few decent foreigners um, on Icelandic football level and um, so coming over here and. Um, sticking to it for a few years I had a brief spell in Norway as well in between both my clubs in Iceland so um, now I'm the like you said the top goal scorer uh, for a foreign player so hopefully I can continue that over the next few years and um, probably end my career here probably
1: How's the lifestyle? I mean is, is that is it something you would recommend to other Scottish players?
8: Yeah I mean there's been a few other Scottish a boy Alan Moore who was in my youth team at Rangers I don't know if you remember him yeah. he was, he was um, over at a couple of clubs in Iceland and there's an ex-Celtic uh, youth team player who's over just now at another team called Grota. So I think um, the Scottish boys quite enjoy it. It's uh, very relaxed, uh, very clean and safe living. Um, and the football, I mean, it's an OK standard for like Scandinavian uh, teams, but um, I really enjoy it. But I've got a wife and a, a kid now, so um, I'm happy here.
1: And the facilities are, are pretty amazing, as well, aren't they? In Iceland, per head of population, per number of people who want to play football, the the facilities seem to be readily available and probably embarrass us back here where we think of football as being our game.
8: Well, that's right. Um, everybody says the same and everybody asks the same questions about this. Um, but I think every every town has these big full-size indoor halls and um all kids in the neighbourhoods get a chance to train with the the local club which is a professional league club so wow. they don't miss anyone in Iceland so everybody everybody goes to train they get coached like maybe from four or five basically from UEFA licensed coaches so it's not just parents and stuff like it is in Scotland so um, nobody gets missed and everybody gets their opportunities so that's a good thing for Iceland.
2: I think uh, Steve you touched on it there about the the level of coaching they get at such a young age and I've you know i find that that's where children over here are let down a little bit in terms of their football knowledge because you know if you go if kids over here go and get guitar lessons it's by a guitar teacher you know drum lessons by a drum teacher uh, yeah. if it's football it's some guys dad who you know <laughs> who goes to school and it's yeah. like and that's the that's the level um, whereas over there they're getting UEFA uh, A and B licensed coaches licensed coaches and and obviously it's it's where they lack the population, um, but they obviously have kind of good coaching from an early age, and obviously uh, Iceland produce every now and again. They produce top players.
8: Yeah, exactly. And I think all the clubs have these UEFA licensed coaches, and because Iceland is a pretty well-off country, all the the parents are all all in for their kids, so they're paying for extra coaching, individual stuff, and small group sessions. So, like the kids here, they've got a great opportunity, and. Um, like you've seen with the national team they're starting to produce players and putting on uh, good performances at world level so long may it continue hopefully for Iceland Do
1: you think we're missing out over here by not taking a look at countries like Iceland smaller nations who, who punch so far above their weight?
8: Um, I mean that's a million dollar question for Scotland I guess but it's, it's difficult to compare I know Scotland see themselves as a small nation as well but Iceland is really unique and uh, the way it's set up, the size of the population. So I think probably only places like Iceland could get away with uh, the way they set it up here. Um, so it's a it's a difficult one to see. Each Scotland could just easily look at these types of countries and follow suit. Um, so I think there's more to it than that.
1: Scoreline prediction tonight, Stephen?
8: I'll go for a Celtic 5-0 comfortable victory
1: 5-0 comfortable victory thank you for joining us Uh, good to hear from you all the way from Iceland Stephen Lennon on the Go Radio Football Show
0: The Go Radio Football Show Let's go
1: Less than 20 minutes to go on the Go Radio football show and just about an hour away from kick-off at Celtic Park. Celtic versus K.R. Reykjavik in the Champions League qualifiers. If you weren't with us earlier, and you are with us now, well, you are with us now because you're listening, (laughs) uh, the Celtic team, the starting lineup tonight against Reykjavik as they come back after 10 days of inactivity, Neil Lennon's team. It's Barkas in goal. It's a back four of El Hamed. Julianne, I'm making this up as I go along again. I like it. Beaton and Taylor, that's the back four. Brown McGregor in front. Uh, Ryan Christie in the middle, uh, playing number 10 as well. Width from James Forrest and Mo El Yunusi. And it's Odson Edamar up front. And that's scary bench as well. Scary for Reykjavik, that is for sure tonight. Bain, Ayeti, Kalamala, Rogic, Incham, Frimpong, and Ayer and uh, just before the break there, we had uh, Stephen Lennon, who plays his football <laughs> in Iceland, saying for him, it's Celtic 5-0. Richard?
2: Yeah, I, I agree. I think, like I said earlier, I think Celtic are going to blow them away. I think the the Celtic fans are will be demanding a a response to, to everything that's happened so far. Um, you know, they'll get the, the boost from Rangers dropping points. Um, they're back in action again. Um, yeah, I think I think Neil, Neil Lennon's going to have the boys fired up, and and like I say, I think Stephen is yeah uh, probably an accurate description five or six now, I think
1: it was just in the course of that last conversation as well. I was thinking and Celtic back on grass as well, having had the frustrations of the artificial pitch at Rugby Park and. Having seen how well they played against Hamilton on opening weekend of the season on their home patch, they are just going to love it being back out there tonight.
2: Yeah, you know yeah. the, the astro pitches when it's a when it, you know it's a nice day outside and the sun's shining. It's the worst time to play on an astro pitch because it's so dry. The ball moves really slowly. Suits teams like you know Komarnik. It, uh, it suited Livingston against Rangers, but yeah, I mean you see. You see what Celtic produced in the opening day of the season, and like I say, there, there are certain games I mean, you never really want to play Celtic, especially um, at Celtic Park. But there are there are ones that you you really want to avoid, and that's you know that's Flag Day, which which Hamilton faced. But this is almost essentially like a another Flag Day for Celtic because of the kind of stuttering start to the season. So um, you know, I, I fear a little bit for the
1: the KR players tonight. Exactly, an hour away from kickoff, Celtic against oh. KR Reykjavik, and we'll have a reaction on the show tomorrow night um Craig on Instagram has been in touch to ask what Richard Foster's favorite Rangers memory is was it was it the panicky face in the Champions League i think so <laughs> i
2: think it was yeah it was definitely the, the debut in in the Champions League i think that the way it came about you know the, the day before uh, walter smith just kind of called me over put his hand on my shoulder and was just like oh um so see tomorrow um, do you want to play What are you doing tomorrow night and Pretty much Would yeah. you want to play And I was like y- y- Yeah Okay And he's like okay and I think he'd done that Because he realised the kind of For me especially The You know The shock of, of Playing in the Champions League And, and how nervous it could make me And he kind of Almost played it down And um, but you know <laughs> The fear in my eyes In that photo before the game but, but luckily you get caught up In the atmosphere Like you see You hear the You hear the Champions League music The the roar of the, the Ibrox cl- crowd And the kind of The fans stayed with us The whole night um, I actually had a bit Kind of a half chance I've only ever walked back once Because I'm afraid to look at it Because I probably should have scored To put us 2-1 up um, Round about I think it must have been Around about the 70 minute mark so and, you, I, and you
1: a former striker
2: as well I, Well that's why I'm a former striker <laughs> <laughs>
1: How, how did how did you play overall? I played well.
2: Um I, I played really really well. It was probably one of my best performances um for Rangers. Um and it was a great experience. Um, really really enjoyed it, but th- the best thing was I went home after it and I'd left my keys in the hotel. So after I played probably the biggest game of my career, I had to stay in the travel lodge. <laughs> oh, no.
1: What an anticlimactic <laughs> end to to Nobody a wonder, wonderful to night. You. <laughs> no. So Celtic in Europe tonight and of course uh, Scottish Premiership football returns on Thursday night in Perth with uh, St Johnston against Aberdeen. Aberdeen, a club very much under the spotlight at the moment, as we await the football authorities coming to their decision-making process on uh, action, potentially uh, against the players, bans, match bans for maybe between two and eight eight games, uh, and also potential punishment for the clubs. What does the Aberdeen manager, Derek McInnes, think of that?
5: Like I say, it's easy for people to say certain things um, sitting from their position, but you know, ultimately it could be any club who has to suffer this and he's got to be careful with what he's saying. You know, I think the, the individual behaviours is where we need to concentrate and focus on. And, you know, I think our club, any player, staff, member, staff can pick up this virus. We've just got to minimise the risk. So in terms of any sanctions or whatever, I think we've got to be careful because the potential, we don't know how this virus is going to go and how it, it, it plays out. But we're we're asking our players and staff to stick to strict protocols and procedures. I think it's important that other clubs have that understanding and sympathy. We have not been reckless or careless. It could be Hibs next time, it could be anybody.
1: I guess it is a a precarious position, and and obviously in so many ways. And there is a danger of creating precedent, I suppose, if you are going to take action against Celtic and Aberdeen.
2: Yeah, I think, you know... (laughs) Undoubtedly, I think that the action is going to be taken against the players and it probably looks like they're going to get banned for at least a couple of games. Um, and I think that's punishment enough for the clubs because, t- mm. you know, that's a... You know, the Aberdeen kind of injury problems. I know Sam Gr- Cosgrove is injured f- for the short term anyway, but I think, you know, losing that many players um, to suspension um, is going to be difficult enough. So to then sanction the club on top of that, it just, it's just a snowball effect. And where do you stop? You know, and, and, and like Derek greatly says... You know, yes, maybe the Aberdeen players were careless in the way that they caught the virus. But what happens if one of the players at another team catches it from his wife who's been out at work all day, he catches the virus and then he's positive? You know, what happens there? Do you punish him again? Do you punish the clubs again? You know, through no fault of his own, he's caught the virus. He's caught the same virus as the Aberdeen players, albeit they were a bit kind of a bit careless, a bit naive. But yeah, it's, it's, you know, there has to be a, a kind of line drawn. You know, I say probably. Sanction the players, not too harshly, but but sanction the players. And a club can only ask a player, you know, do not do these things. He cannot control what the player does in his own time, um, and and it's then up to the player. So if the players know that they're going to get sanctioned with maybe a, a suspension and maybe a small fine from from a club or whatever, um, then I think that's enough. I think if we go down the route of sanctioning in, in clubs, it just like I say, it just opens up a can of worms, I think.
1: Richard Foster, Ali Devoy, Rob McLean on the Go Radio Football Show. We've heard from the Aberdeen manager, Derek McInnes. Let's hear from the, the captain. Uh, glad to be kicking the ball about again and maybe making a few saves as well. The skipper, Joe Lewis.
2: Yeah, it's been tough. Um, obviously, we, everyone has worked, worked hard to get us back and, and get us uh, back training. And, and We played just one game, obviously. And, and um, for the lads that have been here, it's been obviously tough. We've been preparing for games and then they've been called off last minute or day before the game. So um, it's obviously been difficult for the, the teams we've been scheduled to play against as well. Um, but we're we're looking forward to Thursday now to get back to, to what we should have been doing and that's playing football.
1: He's facing up to the media today and uh, he wouldn't have been too surprised that all the chat wasn't about football. Uh, he was asked as well about the Aberdeen 8.
2: The lads have held their hands up. They made mistakes. They made poor, poor judgment
6: on the situation uh, and they have apologised. As far as I'm concerned, it's behind us.
2: Everyone's accepted their apology. Everyone at the football club has accepted their apology. They've been punished and we move forward.
1: Has a line been drawn underneath it, former Aberdeen defender Richard Foster?
2: Yeah, I think so. Like you said, everyone at the club has has accepted their apologies. You know, we all make mistakes. We're human. That's what we do. Um, and... It is, you know you can hear from Joel Lewis there he just wants to move on and get back to the football and I'm pretty sure that no Aberdeen player you know probably no player in Scotland but certainly no Aberdeen player is going to be um, looking to bend the rules or break protocol from from this moment forward I don't think
1: if you'd been an Aberdeen player if you'd been one of those eight how would you have felt about the reaction Um,
2: about the the reaction to the players yeah I, I think it's a it was a little bit over the top. I think you know I, I've seen things on, on on Twitter and calling for these guys to be sacked, and I think to myself you know it, it was a mistake. Like I say, we've all made mistakes. <laughs> I've I've made them. Um, I've made more than most, but you know you, you try and learn from these mistakes and I, and, and not one you know of the Aberdeen. I know Matty Kennedy very well, and Matty's not a bad guy. Matty's not a guy who would just flagrantly break rules. You know he's probably just thought. You know as everybody did they thought they were okay they misinter- misinterpreted the, the the whole bubble thing that's actually non-existent but we've spoke about <laughs> it so much Um so they probably thought they were within that Um and like i said these these guys are not bad guys they're just like i say, they've been a bit naive you know to go out after losing to rangers um, and in my opinion is what they shouldn't have done they certainly shouldn't have went out in more than three households we now know that but yeah, it's it's kind of, let's draw a line under it and let let the players get back to, to doing what it is that everyone wants to see them doing.
1: And if you look up, look on the bright side, you see it as a really timely warning to everybody, a reality check, that uh, one more false move and that's it, we can forget it.
2: Yeah, of course. And, um, you know, it's probably, they probably never anticipated it coming as quickly as it has. Um, but there was a, a high likelihood that you know, players in Scotland were going to test positive. You know, I think that's why the protocols are in place, that, that they get tested twice a week. So, you know, these things were, were inevit- almost inevitable. Um, and it, it's how you deal with it. Now, I know if you catch the virus and you're unfortunate, then, you know, there's nothing you can do. And, and these guys maybe heightened their chances of of catching it. But at the end of the day, it's it was always going to happen. Um, so now we've got past that hurdle. It's like you say, no no one's in any kind of no one's unsure of what's going to happen now it's it's one more kind of break of the rules and it's game over literally so (laughs) I think everyone on now will be kind of on their metal, and they'll firstly they'll understand the rules and understand the parameters they need to work within. And I, I can't see many more Scottish players breaking the
1: rules. For the last few minutes of the show, let's talk Celtic, and we've got James on Twitter asking us: Should Incham be starting ahead of Brown in this match tonight? It's a really strong Celtic team. It's not a surprise about that because Neil Lennon will want to get his strongest team out, having not played for for ten days. Um, Ayers on the bench. Maybe there's a slight injury there. Neil Beaton starts. Other than that, it's a it's a pretty much a full strength Celtic team in terms of what's available to them at the moment. But Olivier and Cham is a real talent, and a lot of people reckon they're a better team with him on board.
2: Um, it, I, I agree, but it's just it's where you fit him in. I don't think he I don't think he plays the Scott Brown role as well as Scott Brown does.
1: And more recently, he's probably played the number ten, hasn't he? Where Ryan Christie is.
2: Yeah, and you know, and on the form that that Ryan's had coming back, and the form he had last season, it was difficult to dislodge him. Um, I don't know, you know. Celtic against most teams could almost essentially play two number 10s, you know, because of they dominate the ball so much. So I do think you could kind of fit him into the team, but I don't think, you know, I, I would always have Scott Brown in there because he's the guy that allows the more attacking players to go and do what it is what they do. And he, you know, he covers covers the ground well in midfield and he gives the, the defence
1: that protection. I, I'm probably um, showcasing the answer by asking the question here, <laughs> but, but could Neil Lennon. Um, reorganise tonight and reshape and do things a little bit differently because it's Reykjavik because Celtic should be so much stronger than them could you play an Incham could you play an extra attacking player in the midfield and maybe just go with with one defensive midfield player
2: yeah I think you could I think I don't you know but again we're looking at it going if he doesn't you know he's got uh, Brown and, and McGregor in there and then Christie ahead of them you know, so who you know, and I'm saying you don't drop Brown. I'm also saying you don't drop McGregor. So. <laughs> do you play
1: thirteen? So
2: you know, I mean, it's almost a, it's almost a thing. Do you maybe only go three at the back? You know, and can I, um increase your options in midfield that way? Um, because I can't see, you know, I can't see Reykjavik offering much of an attacking threat. You know, and I, I know that's maybe disrespectful to them, but I think if you if you look at it, you know, I've had Stephen on the phone, and he's described that. You know, it's is it an option, but then. You know, is it an option to maybe play three at the back and just go with the kind of defensive players at the back, um, and then and then put enchantment into, into some role in midfield? Um, I don't know, but it's, you know, you, you don't know how the game goes. If Celtic got off to a, to a really quick start, he might kind of reshuffle the pack or, or kind of rechange the formation just to to give everyone a game.
1: We've had our Icelandic experts in the course of the show giving us their predictions for tonight. What about the Richard Foster analysis?
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it's going to be Celtic by five or six goals. Um, I, I can't I just cannot for the life of me see any other way around it I think that they'll just be far too powerful for Rookamick
1: It's been good having you on the show thank you very much Richard you. Foster with us Gary Coldwell and Charlie Adam in the course of the evening as well Kjartan Finnbogason easy for me to say and Stephen Lennon as well in the course of the last couple of hours Rob McLean and Ali Defoy hoping you've enjoyed it and we'll see you tomorrow at 5
0: The Bull Radio Football
5: Show Let's go.